Once upon a time, so the story goes, a preacher ran through the streets in a city shouting, we must put God into our lives. Do you hear me? We must put God into our lives. Upon upon hearing the man's shouts, an old monastic rose to his feet and stopped the man, saying, No, sir, you are wrong. You see, God is already in our lives. Our task is simply to recognize this truth and live accordingly. There's waiting, and then there's waiting. Like waiting for this lectionary cycle to end. Do you know what I mean? Some waiting feels pointless and empty, while other waiting feels weighty and significant. Too often, I think the kind of waiting we talk about during Advent is, well, pointless. We wait to sing Christmas carols. We wait to decorate our homes, to decorate the church until just the right time. We wait for Black Friday sales to express our loves at the, at the greatest potential cost to us. I don't think that's the kind of waiting Advent should be inspiring in our lives. It helps to realize that Advent is all about promises. And not only is Advent about promises, but the entire gospel is about promises. And the thing about promises is that they're not static. Never. Never static. Promises, if you hear and you believe them, create an expectation about the future and set something in motion here and and now. For instance, when you promise to call someone after a date, that person typically anticipates the call. It changes them in that moment. And when a friend promises to meet you for dinner, you don't make other arrangements because why would you? You have your friend's promise. Promises create an expectation about the future, and the future expectation sets something into motion right here and right now, in the present. The same is true about God's promises. And that, perhaps, is the key message of of Advent. That in a stable located in Bethlehem, God made a promise to us. That in Jesus, God hears our cries, our cries of fear, our cries of doubt, our cries of concern, our cries of suffering. God hears and God responds to our cries through love, through life. There are a lot of voices crying out in this world today. Voices that cry out for deliverance regarding equality, regarding homelessness, poverty, threads of injustice the world over. So many voices crying out for deliverance. And to these cries of deliverance, God responds with promises of healing, peace, and justice in and through the life, the ministry, the teaching, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That all sounds so well and good, doesn't it? I acknowledge that in the midst of the world's suffering, 
it sounds like a lot of pie in the sky. So much crying out. But consider this. What if God's promises are not all eschological in nature? Something we wait patiently until the end of time. Perhaps we are invited to participate here and now in the eschatological promises of God by contributing to them now. What if that is part of how God keeps God's promises? That through our efforts to heal, to comfort, to help, and to bring justice, what if we play a part in that promise? The opening of Mark's gospel, the beginning of the good news of of Jesus, the Son of God, is a promise. It's also a title, but it's also a promise. You'll notice Mark doesn't call his book the good news of Jesus, the Son of God. He titles it the beginning of the good news, which means that everything Mark has to say about Jesus, all the healing, all the preaching, all the teaching, even his death and resurrection, is only the beginning only the beginning of the good news, there is still more to come. Maybe that's why Mark's gospel ends in such a strange and abrupt way. I know you all remember how Mark's gospel ends, right? Stephanie, tell us how it ends. (laughs) She's being modest. I'll remind you how it ends. The angel of the Lord declares that Jesus has risen and commands the women at the empty tomb to go forth and share the good news of Jesus' resurrection. But the women are terrified, and they run away and say nothing to anyone. Period. The end. That's how his gospel ends. The end. Hmm? It's an open ending, and that's important. Because after all, it is just the beginning. The story isn't over. Which means that we are invited to continue the story of the good news of Jesus as God continues to write the gospel of Jesus in our lives today through us, and through our communities. The question before us is, what kind of waiting do we want to do during this season of Advent, but also beyond? I mean, we can certainly all sit around and wait for Christmas. We can also wait for Christ to return in final glory. You have those choices before you. Or we can get in the game. We can give our time give our energy, give our resources, give our lives to making a difference right now. Because it's not just John the Baptist who is called to cry out in the wilderness and prepare the way. It's all of us. We are called, too, to cry out in the wilderness, to prepare the way. God continues to author the story 
of the good news of Jesus in and through our words and actions. And each of us will have a hundred, a thousand, a million opportunities. This week, the months ahead, the years ahead, to contribute to God's sacred story. To make it come alive. To help God keep God's promises here and now. Of course, what we do will not bring ultimate healing or comfort or justice to this world. It's not our job. It's God's job. And God will fulfill God's promises in the fullness of time. But we don't have to wait around passively. We are invited to throw ourselves into the venture, both trusting God's promises and living them right here, right now. You see, God is already in our lives. Our task is to simply recognize that truth and live accordingly. Amen.